Hello and welcome to episode 221 of the Creighton Crowbar. My name is Chris Thurston and tonight joining me on the 3rd of January 2018 are Tom Senior. Hello. And Tom Francis. Hello. Hello and welcome to 2018. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. (laughs) (laughs) Not a Happy New Year for you, Tom Francis. Uh, no, it is. <laughs> I was laughing at the tone in which we were saying it. Okay. Yeah, well, uh, Senior and I already did a, a New Year intro to the, to Minutes Monthly, so we're mm. kind of, this, we were faking this one. <laughs> but that was, that was, like, hearts weren't entirely in that. It wasn't authentic. No. Nonetheless, the, uh, the number of the year it is has changed. And that is literally all the news. <laughs> mm. <laughs> because everyone's on holiday. It's Christmas, New Year. People are crawling back into work and starting to think about maybe sort of answering their emails a bit. Uh, so there's really no computer video game news to talk about. I don't think except, except for when you make the news yourself. <laughs> so the uh, IGF award uh, shortlist has been announced and we'll skip to the point. Which is that <laughs> among the, the list of nominees for the grand prize is Heat Signature. It is. Congratulations, Tom. Shockingly, thank you. Hey! Hey! That was That's what a time. real one sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still buzzing a bit. Yeah, it's a good feeling. Uh, it's awesome. It was a big surprise. I was, um, uh, I was kind of like at best hoping for maybe a, like some mention in the design category and so i was mm. scrolling down to that and as i was scrolling down I'm like wait what the fuck that's <laughs> we're in the main category that's the game you done yep game you done done good <laughs> well done uh we are definitely not going to win even more so than than um uh gunpoint was up for design when it came out and i knew i wasn't going to win that because it's up against spelunky um and we're not for grand prize (laughs) look at the other candidates there like okay well let's let's take a let's take a partisan look it's good though i think that's the best situation because you're not worried about it (laughs) like you can go to the ceremony and just completely chill out because you know the result well you don't know the result exactly but you don't you're not going to win Well, also the grand, the other grand prize nominees, just because we might as well talk about it. this, is the closest thing we've got to news. So, <laughs> um, the uh, grand prize nominees are uh, getting over it with Bennett Foddy. So, uh, quop, vertical quop, um, night in the woods, uh, west of loathing. I'm very happy mm, to see there, but also nice. screw yeah. those guys. <laughs> <laughs> that's a cool. I game. got a text from Zach saying, "Congratulations, we're on our enemies." <laughs> uh, into the breach. Oh yeah. Yeah. Heat signature. And Baba is you. Yeah, I'm uh, very happy about lots of those because um, Into the Breach obviously <laughs> deserves it. Um, this is West Loathing. And Baba is you, I haven't played it yet, but I just, I'm just happy that that is good. Like, mm. I, I believe Alan Hazelman said it, it's awesome and I believe Which him. Which one is Baba is you actually? So this is the one where, um, it's like a top down, very simple, uh, art style, um, and you are, uh, moving around in a grid based fashion and you can push things around and some of the things you can push around are words. And so oh, yeah. it can say like, uh, just lying around the level will be the words Baba is you and rock is push and there's a rock somewhere and, uh, you can push it. And then if you push the rock into where the word Baba currently is, it says rock is you. 
and then you're controlling the rock. <laughs> Damn. And if you put anything in front of, like, is push, you can push it. And so all the rules of the game are, like, written on... Well, not all the rules, but um, the key rules for that level are written into the level itself, mm. and you can push them around and switch in different words and different items into the... sentence. Yeah, it's an amazing idea. And, it, like, you can... You get it so fast when you watch the trailer. If that didn't make any sense to you from me describing it, you can just watch this trailer and you'll just be like, oh, shit. <laughs> Are those words in there? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's shit. <laughs> um, and it's interesting. So, uh, so in the honorable mentions, uh, Tacoma, Rain World, Dream Daddy, Cosmic Top Secret, Hollow Knight, Cuphead, and everything's going to be okay. But it's sort of, I was thinking about, just looking at them now, I was thinking about, because obviously I'd like you to win. <laughs> I thinking about and but as with any award um shortlist it comes down to you know not sort of arbitrary differences of what people value but games are so different to one another that you have to pick something that's more important than another thing right like if we're talking about probably pure tight systems design then into the breach is going to be hard to beat mm. and probably pretty hard to beat if you are uh like the woods because your goals are completely different yeah, right? yeah. and your uh style and attitude and, and everything is totally totally different um but one thing that amused me looking at this is that actually obviously in a year of good narrative driven uh and writing driven indie games uh the two games in this uh in this shortlist that are very kind of writing and um storytelling heavy are uh night in the woods and West of Loathing, which are not the two games I would expect to be going up against each other mm. in that particular regard. Yeah, it's kind of good because they're almost opposite ends of the narrative mm. spectrum in some ways. Um, I could Night in the Woods has that. Yeah, like you said, it's all about like what what does the jury value? Because mm. um, it's decided the OGF, if you don't know, is uh, like has a judging phase where there are thousands of people judging, including like most games press and loads of game developers, uh, and then the actual. Judging doesn't determine anything except to highlight games to the jury. And then the jury are just team, like five people for each category or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and they determine both the finalists and the winners. Um, and they would have already determined that, um, which is a weird thing. Um, and so, yeah, it's about what those five people care about. The overall one, I think, is voted for by all the juries. So all the juries for each category also vote for their overall winner. Damn. And it can be something that's not nominated in that category or anything. It's just whatever they like. Um and so, yeah, it's about what that group of people values. And, uh, yeah, Night in the Woods feels like it's sort of quite well-rounded in the sense that it's, like, beautiful and it's kind of about feelings. And it's got that kind of, like, indie... It feels like it's well-tailored to indie uh, enthusiasts' interests. Mm. Yeah, I, I, um, it's an odd one, that one, because... Um, so you see, like, Hollow Knight in the nominations. And Ho- Hollow Knight, like Night in the Woods, is a very well-executed but ultimately quite derivative take on a pre-existing hmm. genre. So Hollow Knight is just a beautiful Metroidvania with its own ideas and its own vibe and to its, like that feels very unique to it. And I feel like Night, Night in the Woods is an equivalent, whereas like I, I feel like Tacoma deserves a bit, like deserves to almost be in there and mix it up with yeah. it as the narrative game, really. I feel like that's more experimental and interesting as an interactive concept. Tacoma is nominated in the narrative category. Um mm. But yeah, I think it's it's a more inventive narrative game than mm. some of the others. Yeah, I mean, so or should, we should also mention that you are an honourable mention in excellence in design. Mm-hmm. So congratulations for that as well. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting. It's an interesting set, and um, it'll be fun to see. What when is GDC this year? It's March, right? Yeah, end of March. Uh, what are the other design nominees? Other know, design nominees. Into the breach is in there. Are into the breach, uh, Shenzhen IO, Wilmot's Warehouse, Baba is You, Urnog Unlimited, and Getting Over It. I think Ernog Unlimited is by Niflas. It is. Um, and uh, the Warehouse game is one we talked about on the Fantastic Arcade pod. Mm. I haven't played it, but I think uh, Zach and Kevin had. Mm. Um, or had seen it, at least. Um, 
Yeah, some good stuff there. <laughs> Just a lot of good stuff. That's nice. Isn't that nice? Good. Well done, Tom. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, is there anything else that we could we could go through the rest of the nominees if we want to? But obviously, there's a lot of categories. So, yes. what is what is nominated in narrative? Okay, yeah, we'll, yes, we'll go to we'll go to narrative. Uh, Tacoma, uh, Attentat, 1942, where the water tastes like wine. Night in the woods, butterfly soup, and uh, tooth and tail. Oh yeah, that's cool. Oh. RTS nominated yeah, in narrative category. Yeah, that's <laughs> that is neat. interesting. That's cool. Yeah. Good. Yeah, those guys are good at IGF. Because <laughs> Monaco, like, won, like, five weeks after mm, they started no, working yeah. on it. <laughs> yeah, um, and it's interesting, it's kind of fun that um, Where the Water Tastes Like Wine is up against Tacoma, because they're both former Gone Home devs. <laughs> mm, yeah, and um, as you were saying before we started recording, Fulbright versus Jim Bulb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, well, you know, there's a sort of, there's a section of indie storytelling that will always be people who worked on Bioshock in some yeah. capacity. <laughs> hmm. Um, going out into the ether to make games where you pick up stuff and rotate it. Who's I think the, actually, uh, um, Gone Home, Gunpoint and FTL were all in the IGF for the first time together the year they came out and mm. out into the breach Tacoma and heat signature all <laughs> you have the same year as well do you reckon you get like the different indie devs um like interval waves so yeah. you're clearly on like the three and a half year mm. interval with, <laughs> um with uh, fulbright and those guys and then um obviously all of the seven to ten year devs on, on their <laughs> yeah. own much <laughs> longer orbit. it's like uh it's like planets <laughs> yeah spy party 2 will come out at the same time as i'll buy two <laughs> <laughs> Uh, wasn't a an, something announced for Spy Party? Isn't that actual news? Um, or am I? It's it's ten a- years old now. <laughs> oh, that was uh, Chris Ecker was- uh, figured out that his um, his first like entry in his sort of devlog for it is was ten years. That's the opposite of it coming out. Yeah, it is. Um, it has a Steam page now, and it's coming soon on Steam. <laughs> so I am reasonably sure it'll enter Steam early access this year, <laughs> and who knows how long after that it'll actually be done. <laughs> but it's. I mean. Unlike The Witness and Alboy and all these other super long projects, it's, uh, there's less kind of like, um, oh fuck, might it bomb completely, uh, and, you know, terrible risk accumulating because he's selling it. Like he, Chris mm. is selling it on his website. You can buy it right now and you can play it right now and people do and p- enough people buy it that he's kind of getting by. Like, um, and he does need to sell, <laughs> I think a bit more when it goes to Steam, but he's, um, he's not like just uh, winding up some enormous, like, uh, debt that is all gonna be, come crashing down on him if, you know, on launch day when, uh, it either dies or succeeds, he's already had a whole load of success and, um, mm. there's, uh, uh, the money from that and then there's also the, like, pretty good reason to believe that it will sell well, mm. since it's already sold well without Steam. New long running projects. Iconoclasts is coming out this year. Mm. Oh yeah. I never thought that would be released. I've been <laughs> following a guy on Twitter. He's a brilliant animator and a, a superb pixel artist. And I've been following his kind of little experiments and, and roughs on Twitter. And, um, I just thought this is never going to come out. It's too ambitious for one person <laughs> to do alone. Uh, but it's actually going to happen. Quite early, isn't it? Is it February or March? Yeah. I think it's like in the next few months. Um, yeah. and it's been around. I mean, I remember we were pre- previewing on PC game like five years ago, I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah, I think I remember writing like a <laughs> games of 2012 preview feature for January issue of PC Gamer. It's like, this is coming out. Yep. One, nope. <laughs> one to watch, everyone. For years yep. and years. Yeah. That's nice, though. Yeah, it is nice. 
What have you been playing, Tom? I... I'll be answering, so I'll throw that to the room. I've <laughs> been playing... Uh, <laughs> since you looked at me, I'll answer. Um, uh, what the fuck is it called? Recursed. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is a side-on platformer. The name is a pun on, like, uh, recursion and being cursed. Mm. Um, and as a side-on platformer, it has a lot in common, I would say, with Braid, in that it is an exploration of an interesting, clever mechanic... And in order to fully explore that mechanic, they make everything else incredibly simple. So you're just walking around platforms, jumping on crates, picking up keys to open locks and go right. through uh, portals. Um, and the main mechanic is these chests that instead of containing like loot, you just jump into them and then inside them is another level. And uh, you can do things like go into that level, pick up a box and then go back out of that level and you'll jump out of that that chest with that box. Um, and so the most simple puzzle is go into this level, get a box, come back out with it. And now you need that box to step up to the exit. Mm. Um, and, but it has a whole load of more interesting things going on. So one of the levels I just played, it is incredibly difficult to describe <laughs> because what's going on is like, even as you're playing it, you don't entirely grasp what you just did until a little <laughs> while later. And you're like, Oh, I see. So one of the levels I just played, you are, um, it can do things like you start in level a, there's a, chest there if you jump into the chest you go into level b within level b there is a chest that if you jump into it takes you to level a and these are like uh it's not the exact same place you came from it's another copy of that level so every time you come out of a level the level you just left resets um but you can go into a level if you go from a into b and you take a crate back out you can then go back into B again, pick up another crate. Even if there's only one crate in level B, you can pick it up again because B will have reset because you left it. And then when you go back into A, the old crate will still be there. And so you can add another crate to that stack. So even if there's only one crate in level B, you can create an infinite number of crates by just going into there, picking them out because uh, A won't reset because you've never gone uh, to like a higher level than A. Right. A is like the top uh, level. level, right. And everything within A uh, won't reset A. Um, and so, yeah, I've just done one where like you go into um a leads to b and b leads to a but there's also like a a higher level world of c and it's complicated further by the fact that if you go into a uh and then there's this crate that leads to b there's chest that leads to b you can pick up that chest and take it out (laughs) so it's that episode of futurama instead of yeah very much so it's exactly like that um uh and so instead of uh a leading to b now a leads to another copy of a um and I've just got to a chapter where, like, there's water in these levels. And so, you, like, uh, instead of having to jump up to an area, you can swim up there. Um, and if you take a level, if you take a chest that contains a level that doesn't have any water in it, and you throw that chest in the water, and then you go into it, that level is now flooded. So now you can oh, swim around inside that level. That's cool. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Oh, that's, I'm never going to be able to play that game, Tom, but it's so good. <laughs> it's, it does a good job of leading you in gently, actually. There's a, there's a whole bunch of levels where it's just really trivial what, how it works. And a lot of the cleverness comes from, um, like the reason you need a crate to get to a certain place is not just because it's a high jump. It's because, um, when you are carrying something, you can't jump as high as when you're not carrying anything. And so it's all about like, if I put this down here and then I jump, up just fu- just high enough to like throw this crate over there then i can step on this other crate and jump up to this location and so it teaches all that stuff first and so that's really easy and then 
the first time it introduces the level switching stuff, it's really, really basic. And you go through like a whole world of, of levels where it's just really, really basic. And then, uh, yeah, then you hit one where the box within the level contains another copy of the same level. <laughs> and, uh, it's, uh, that's when it starts fucking with the head. And it's also possible to kind of muddle through a level without totally understanding it. You, you have to sort of get something about it, but you can, you can definitely not mm. entirely grasp what's going on. Like I, this ABA level for a long time, I, it's not that I didn't know it was that the second copy of A was the same as the first copy. It just didn't register in my brain. It was like, I, I went through the chest. I arrived in a, a level which had a key in it and the exit, but I couldn't reach the exit because I didn't have a crate. So I picked up the key and I left again and then I used the key in this other world. Um, and. Technically, I'd been to that level before, but I didn't immediately register that, oh, this is the same level as the other one. And I could solve the puzzle that way. I didn't need to sort of totally grasp, oh, this is the really clever thing it's doing. Um, but then there are also these rings lying around. <laughs> oh, God. And I'm pretty sure you're supposed to take them to the exit. I I didn't get any acknowledgement for doing that when I did do it. And the first few levels where you, there are rings, it seems completely impossible to take them to the exit. But... I obviously, I didn't know how the game worked fully at that point. So maybe if I go back, I'll, I'll realize how to do that. It's um, a bit like a braid star thing, perhaps like additional challenge. Yeah. And there's definitely some levels where like, it's just like, yeah, you've got all the way basically to the exit. And the only thing left is now a jump to get to the exit. And the jump is just the right height that you can do it if you're not carrying anything. But there's a ring on the floor. Um, and if you're carrying the ring, you can't make that jump. But the exit is actually through a chest. And so, yeah, you can't pick up the ring and jump up to the chest, but if you put the ring down and then you jump up without the ring, and then instead of going through the chest, you pick up the chest and throw it back down to where the ring is, now you can go down there, pick up the ring and jump in the chest, and now you can take the ring to the exit. And like I say, I did that and nothing happened. <laughs> and I can't even see, like, on the level select screen, it marks that you've done the level, but there's no, as far as I can tell, I didn't see any, like, extra acknowledgement for having got hmm. the ring, but it just feels like... I know video games. I know I'm supposed to do something with this ring and it yeah. feels like, because it's harder to get the ring to the exit, that must be what I'm supposed to do. Is there any indication of, uh, as to what level of inception you're at uh, when you're actually no in a level? Um, and like, th there's one level where it's all copies of the same level. Um, God. And uh, yeah, you almost don't need to know to some extent. <laughs> the only problem I have with it so far is that the button for pick up item, the button for throw item, and the button for use the exit to the level are all the same. And so pick up and, and drop is not so bad because if you're holding something, you can't pick anything else up until you drop this thing. But it's very, very common to have items like stacked on top of the exit to the level. And the exit to the level is the one that pulls you back out of the chest that you're in. And as soon as you do that, that level resets. And you can irreversibly lose things that way. Mm. So it's really serious decision to leave a level. You are, you're going to lose everything you've left behind. Um, and it's very common for that to lead to just an unrepairable situation. You just cannot complete mm. that level from that point forward. Um, which is, I don't mind that you can get yourself into stuck situations, but it's annoying that most of the time that's happened to me is just because I was trying to pick something up, but I happened to be near the level exit when I did it. And it's the same button. And I don't see any reason it needs to be the same button. It's two completely different actions. There should be an exit level button and there should be a pickup button mm -hmm. and they should just be completely different. Um, one kind of nice thing about this stuck system is that it will try and detect when you're stuck. I think it's not 100% reliable, but it will sort of, it will look for obvious situations where like, oh, you just lost the crate. You just lost the chest that contains the level you need to get to. And the way it tells you this, instead of like forcing you to restart, is a bird appears and just goes, 
restart, restart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a that's a great four o'clock on a Friday. Awesome. That's recursed. Yes, yes, recursed, past tense. Recursion is a different game, isn't it? It's definitely a game called Recursion. Um, is, there? is there? I don't know. I feel like I played a game called maybe In... Incursion? That's not important now. There might be a game it? called Inception. That's no. a movie. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe it's just called Re- Recursion. But yeah, there's a, one of those like cooperate with your past self games that, mm. that's called a word like that. Yeah. Rad. I've been playing, um, a bunch of, well, I've played a, a bunch of, of puzzle games actually. One of which I know we've both played, Tom, so we'll talk about mm. that in a minute, but I've been playing, uh, Bridge Simulator Portal. Oh yeah. Um, which. The new portal game. The new portal <laughs> game, apparently. Well, so it's, um, and it's good. It's good because, um, fundamentally, because Bridge Simulator was already pretty good, you know, solve a problem by building a bridge and pay attention to actual physics and try and learn how actual bridges work and lay down cabling and rails and metal parts and roads and things to make little buggies go from entrances to exits is the game. Um, and it's good because, um, fundamentally, Portal is just a set of uh, mechanics, ideas that translate basically to any physics-based puzzle. Hmm. You know, the entire, the two main Portal games are about flinging yourself through portals and sometimes objects and stuff. And there's basically no reason you can't apply all of the same ideas from portals to momentum carrying over to, uh, st- you know, uh, fluid that bounces you or speeds you up to little cars. So it's, it's sort of when, if, if you hear the, not, the name and you're familiar with both of those games, it is the exact game you are imagining when you imagine someone combining those two things. Apart from, well, I suppose the, the only thing that's unportal-like about it is that the portal locations are fixed. They're a fixed part of every, hmm. of every level. And, and there can be a lot more portals in the level than can ever exist at the same time in traditional portal. But in fundamentally in how they work, it's the same thing. And it's presented in the style of those aperture science kind of orientation video things with the little stick men, which they also used for the lab, uh, mm. the VR thing. And, and, um, and it's, you know, the levels are introduced by GLaDOS and I think Ellen McLean is doing the voice again. Cool. Um, it's not like, like a lot of latter portal themed stuff. It isn't as sharp or as funny as, as the portal games. It's, it's the same humor in function in, you know, in terms of like, highly irresponsible science people but it's not got the you know it's not like as kind of fresh feeling or i think as high a standard as 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 portal was it's mostly like riffs on the same themes um but yeah it's been a kind of just a fun thing to kind of uh work through so the way it works is you basically have an entrance and an exit and all you have to do to pass any level is get one car across and because you're building bridges, your solutions are often like extremely wonky and analog. <laughs> like the challenge comes from not only the layout of the level and where the threats are and things, but also, um, where the attachment points are for bridges. Cause that affects where anything you build can start. So often you're faced with the challenge of like, you know, dealing with the fact that you can only really attach one bridge in, in one place or, you know, and somehow you've got to get, you know, sort of navigate kind of an in- impossible, um, jump with while only being allowed to build a bridge in one particular corner of it and that's where portals come in believe it or not 
Um, and there are cool things like, um, sort of buttons that, change things about the level like in portal and turrets like in portal that sort of i don't think i don't think bridge simulators had anything like portal as like turrets previously which are a kind of nice thing to have have to build a a route that will take at least one of the cars that you send into the turrets from behind to destroy them um uh, and that's pretty cool and then once you've solved it you get that you get the convoy button which you click to just send the maximum amount every level has like a like a minimum one maximum anywhere between three and six cars sort of loaded up in a pipe they arrive in a little pipe and if you you know want to kind of get the best result for the level then that means building something that can withstand the full convoy because it it measures kind of strain and stress on the bridges in a particular way and things bounce and kind of buckle as as weight is applied to them so that means that if you've got a bridge that is pretty bouncy um due to whatever constraint the level then Maybe the first car to go over it is fine, but the second one is not slightly off course, and and that means that building something, yeah, and that's the that's the, the equivalent of going for the three star kind of victory is, mm-hmm. is building something that withstands the this is physics based layer lemmings. Yes, physics, physics-y car physics-y lemmings. <laughs> what's a fun? Good pitch. What's fun is that it's very clear. One of the nice things in the writing is it's very clear from the writing and in the way that's presented in the UI and the way. Uh, GLaDOS explains what you're doing is um, your job is explicitly to get the cars to the exit, <laughs> not the people <laughs> like they, the people who are driving and sometimes cases riding on the cars. Cause they're like, they're like little orange buggies, like they're like little, little forklifts or something. Um, but you'll often be like people sat at the front and stuff. And there's nice little incidental animations. Like if you, uh, when they get to the exit, the exit the entrance and exit is a pipe. And when they get to the exit, if anyone is still in the car, you'll see them kind of get off and walk down a little set of stairs to like <laughs> exit the level and buy a different way to the car itself. But the important thing is the, the car and the cargo that's on it. Um, but if you like, you know, you can easily, and you're almost encouraged to build kind of super efficient little, uh, bridges and tunnels and jumps and things that take the car clean through, but will definitely like, <laughs> like, you know, whack anyone who sat on top of it. So the level is always full of like people like tumbling and falling off and getting kind of like thrown <laughs> to their deaths from the car. And then you get maximum points because you're not even measured on that. Like <laughs> no one ever refers to the fact that it's happening. It's like, and that's, I like that touch that like, it's never mentioned. Like it's never <laughs> mentioned that there are people in these things. Um, <laughs> and like, it's just, it's just purely there visually, which is a nice touch and very portal. But yeah, mm. it's, it's, it's good. Like, um, I think, um, for particularly as a kind of, it was a nice sort of, um, passing time over a kind of holiday game because it's fun to build things and it's fun to solve puzzles and it's nice mm. and analog and you, you, often your dumbest solution works just well enough that you get to see the next level. <laughs> yeah. And learn nothing at all, which is what I want from a puzzle game. I watched, um, a video actually by, um, a guy called Summoning Salt who does YouTube videos about uh, speedrunning communities. Mm. And he did one on, on Portal, I think just recently. Um, and I was kind of curious what Portal speedruns look like. And uh, it was actually more interesting to just to know how Portal, how the Portal speedrun community like divides up because the area this video focuses on is on the um, inbounds runs. So the three types of Portal speedruns are inbounds, out of bounds and no glitches 
And so no glitches is literally just play the game as it was intended to be played. You know, you can go as fast as you like by bunny hopping and all this stuff, but you, uh, you're not allowed to exploit anything that's uh, obviously a bug. Um, and then out of bounds is just n- no rules whatsoever. Just get to the, get through the game as fast as possible, even if it means glitching through the wall and just floating to the exit. Um, and then most of the speedrunning community is in the inbounds section, which means you're allowed to use bugs, but you're not allowed to go outside of the bounds of the level. So you don't go through walls, that right. kind of stuff. Um, but they, it has evolved to be so much about the glitches that it seems almost arbitrary to say you stay within the bounds because they do things like, if you cast a portal at just the right angle and step halfway through it and then save your game and then load the game, the camera and the player become disconnected <laughs> so that the, uh, I can't remember which round it is, but I think the player goes through the portal and the camera stays where it is. And so you then have to just like point the camera at random bits of wall and click because somewhere else in the level, your character is looking at that angle and you want them to cast a portal in this other place and then they'll pop out there. <laughs> so it's this completely surreal game. Um, but it's, yeah, the, the story of like who has the record and like how they got it and, um, who beat who is kind of always the same in these, which is like, oh, this guy, uh, emerged as the best and he got the world record but then this guy came out of fucking nowhere and he beat him and then he beat him eight more times <laughs> and then he reigned for like five months and then this guy <laughs> came out of nowhere <laughs> and he beat him and then he beat him like eight more times <laughs> sounds like my understanding of sport tom <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess um without really knowing the specifics of why they mm. or without watching the whole runs which should you know take a while it, it is like you do still have an admiration for the skill because you know how difficult it was to get the 13 and a half minute run and so when someone beats it with like 13 minutes and 20 seconds you're like oh that's cool and then when they beat it like then they get it down to 1305 you're like holy shit and then someone got 1230 <laughs> and then eventually it gets down to like 10 minutes and then jeez <laughs> speed of which awesome games done quick is either this week or next week oh really it's imminent yeah so it's imminent I was keep an eye on that uh that's is, always is it next weekend I, I think it's either this or next weekend i can't mm. remember but um yeah that that's one to watch if you love speedruns in fact even if you don't know anything about speedruns it's a really good introduction to them because mm. it's got people who are basically it's a big grand competition and they pick different games uh in different shifts and they pick someone really good and they talk about their runs the best ones talk about their runs as they're performing them mm. and explaining what they're doing and what how the tricks work so it's, it's much more accessible if you're new to this sort of thing than just like randomly wading into a load of like youtube videos uh and it's for a good cause as well. It's really nice. Yeah. It's a good thing. Good suggestion. Mm. Mm. So yeah, the other thing I, the other puzzle game I played over the break, which I know you've played as well, Tom F is Goragoa. Yeah. Which we talked about on the podcast about five years ago. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> uh, a long running, a long uh, development game, but it's out now. Yep. Uh, Goragoa is a, a beautifully drawn, um, puzzle game about rearranging it's kind of hard to explain but like functionally you are you have four panels and you're watching a sort of a 2d animation uh like a sort of looks like a panel from an animated panel from a, a comic book and you can pull things about that you can locate that panel in in different quadrants and then it's i'm, I'm, I'm trying to have fully explain <laughs> so one ex- example is like if in one of those uh, panels there's a like you're looking through a window you might be able to click on the f- window frame and just pull it off that frame off that panel and put it on a different panel and now the one you pulled it from 
instead of looking through the window, you're actually kind of in the scene. Yeah, it's a city scene now. And now when you put the frame on somewhere else, that will also change that scene. And now when you zoom back from that window frame, you're in a different building. somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of like, yeah, like, um, this sort of, uh, there's a, there's a sort of a a really detailed logic and it's a meticulously planned puzzle game because obviously it's all hand drawn art and kind of, uh, and then there are sort of things that rely on the, the relation between two panels, uh, physically. So, apple hanging from a tree in one panel bowl in another panel mm. you can zoom to a point where things match up that you wouldn't think could normally match up and then the apple can fall from the tree into the bowl mm. and, and that that's that's the game and it didn't it's not an especially long game it took me about two hours to finish start to finish um but it's i really liked it i thought you know particularly as a kind of a pleasant one-off sort of relaxing experience it's it's mostly a game about playing with the stuff that you're shown um before and while as you kind of unpick reverse engineer the logic of how each scene is constructed and how objects relate to each other and how scenes relate to each other and uh, it's about sort of pattern finding and sort of um very abstract logic but it is fundamentally logical in a way that is is really gratifying but all of that all of that is in service of just delivering the art basically which mm. is lovely, and it's got a sort of. There's no, there are no, there's no writing in it. It's, it's all sort of non-verbal, but it's a sort of a sort of like kind of semi-mystical, spiritual mood piece about uh, an encounter, like a a, a a person at multiple points in their life, and their kind of encounter might be, you know, um, might be metaphorical or hallucinatory, or might be real with a kind of luminous coddle god beast um which i I like anything with a a kind of uh, juxtaposition of kind of semi you know realistic or or naturalistic uh life contrasted with the semi-luminous coral god beast that's (laughs) something i learned about myself (laughs) and you gotta gather them fruits you gotta get fruits you gotta get fruits for the bowl for the god beast uh if it's a spoiler don't say but uh, was i supposed to know like what I was doing with those fruits, like oh, my no. original. The, 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 it starts with a scene where you just sort of see this coral god beast, and then the person just sort of, uh, I think he's looking up in a book, and it just has a picture of a bowl of these different coloured fruits next to the god mm. beast, and so then you set out to get those fruits. I wasn't like my initial thing was like, oh, maybe the coral god beast is a problem, and these fruits will solve it somehow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I'm not sure because the whole because in the back the backdrop there, the art really is lovely, and in the backdrop is a sort of it's never placed anywhere either uh like culturally or historically like it's not based on a particular folklore Gorogoa is the is the name of the the god beast um but that is just based on the developers i think it's a you know it is just a sort of um a wholesale invention right like mm. obviously it's, it's reminiscent of folklore but it's not based on something specific and then this person who you see at different points in his life, you know, obviously goes through periods of like war and rebuilding and the backdrops and the city backdrops change. And that relates to how you pull panels off things and rearrange them and all the art that surrounds it. It really is lovely and intricate. Um, but there's no, like, um, there's very little by way of like, you know, strictly kind of literal storytelling to it. It is all kind of like, take out what you want from this kind of little encounter with it. But it's a really nice use of puzzle solving as just a excuse to push and pull at pictures. Yeah. There's a bit where, yeah, um, 
without going to specifics, you're just trying to direct someone and you, your control over that situation essentially uh, boils down to like tell them to go left, right, or forwards. Mm. Uh, but the way you choose left, right, or forwards is the most extravagant, lavish, ridiculously <laughs> intricate oh, God, thing. Yeah. <laughs> like for, you know, uh, being a sort of mechanically minded designer, I would come with that of like, okay, well, what the player can basically do here is go left, right, or, or up. So like, make that the fucking cursor keys or just to have three buttons on the screen that the player clicks. And this is the absolute yeah. opposite end of the scale to that. It's like, dive inside a person's mind and go into their memories and look on their yeah. bedroom wall and select a picture of someone who's looking in this direction. <laughs> and then transplant it into the speech bubble that represents <laughs> yeah. their in- inner consciousness. Yeah, it's, it's that. But it's, it's amazing. I sort of respect it for that. Yeah, yeah it's not because it is like it is supposed to be kind of baroque and kind of like the moment it's like press space to jump it's lost a lot of its magic <laughs> yeah definitely um i did i got stuck a few times and every time it was because i didn't know i didn't realize oh i can click on that mm. um and it does have a system for that like if you click somewhere you can't whether there isn't anything interactive it does a little like ping and highlights the interactive areas which is appreciated but the times when i got stuck were just like there'll be like a wheel of all these different things and you can zoom in on each one and on most of them you can't do anything but on one of them you actually can and so i didn't think to click to ping to see if there was anything interactable there i just assumed it was like the others and you couldn't and it turns out you can and you should and mm. it also does something where which can be i think this is the puzzle equivalent of the big town problem <laughs> which i know we've re- returned to a lot on recent pods but like you know when games just sort of confront you with too much and you go actually nah rather than getting <laughs> yeah. excited about it it does a thing where it will give you like a big puzzle made up of small puzzles and all of the pieces for all of them are kind of all there in front of you and it's about the jigsaw puzzle of kind of figuring out what is necessary now and what is going to be useful later but that gives you that initial shock even though it's a, a very kind of relaxing game i think in a lot of other ways it gives you that initial shock of but what do I, you know, but what's important right now? Like I've, yeah. I've tinkered with this thing and I've figured out this interaction, but it's not important yet. Um, and sometimes that can lead you to feel stuck, even though you've made some progress elsewhere, but you just not made the right progress yet. The good thing about that is when you find the, the one thing you were missing, cause it's always one interaction you hadn't found. It's, it's always that whenever you can't solve something, when you do find that things flow really nicely and you get kind of quite elegant sort of, uh, you know, transitions from one puzzle to the next because you already know probably what the next thing is going to be because there's that one piece from earlier that you found and didn't do anything with. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you just progress by complete accident because you start <laughs> rotating things around and you're like, oh, that, that happens and then you move on. But yeah, it's a good time. Seems to be in, I don't know how it's sold, but it's been well received in terms of like reviews. Mm. Um, being quite artsy game, I didn't know how the Steam community would, would like it, but it's, um, overwhelmingly positive on Steam. It reminds me a bit of Monument Valley. Mm. Not because of the exact type of game that it is, although they're both kind of beautiful games about manipulating slightly abstract environments in a sort of, yeah, no, maybe they are quite similar. <laughs> um, they look very different, but they're, you know, they have a similar kind of, philosophy i think but also because it's kind of nice to have a puzzle game that isn't really trying to be hard yeah like there's a there's benefit to puzzle solving where it doesn't necessarily have to just like there's no puzzle boss fight in this <laughs> it does get more complicated but it just sort of goes through modes rather than getting like and now the we're now we're really gonna fuck you over right because it's not yeah. appropriate to the type of game it is and i sort of i think about that a bunch of puzzle design like i quite like puzzles 
but I don't like getting stuck on things, particularly if what I'm really interested in is the aesthetic or the story or the music or something like that. So it's nice to have a puzzle game that just wants to unfold basically like a picture book and not, you know, the, you've got a reason to interact with it, but you don't, you're unlikely, you're unlikely to then have to like alt tab to a walkthrough or something like that because it's, you know, it's never overwhelming or simply too obtuse to solve. Yeah. It's good. Thomas, I appreciate you've had a, a games light crimbo. Yeah, sadly, I've been away from my PC for weeks now. Uh, so it's, I, I played like an hour of Mad Max earlier, which is one of the games oh, yeah. I picked up in the Steam sale for £5. Wow. The idea that you can get a game that looks that pretty and nice and feels so good for £5 is kind of insane, even though the game's been out for probably like a couple of years now. Mm. Uh, this is made by Avalanche, and um, it's a much, much more solid game than anything avalanche has made before they're responsible for the just cause games uh, which are always technically stunning like but never like felt very exciting to me mechanically in terms of what mm. is going around and blowing stuff up and the explosions were very nice but like it always felt kind of shonky to me always felt kind of weightless like you're just flying around on this ridiculous physics and um shooting you know lead bullets at a fuel tank half a mile away and then it erupts and you know does a James Bond explosion and that that's basically like avalanche games mm. Mad Max is definitely a, diff, a, just a genuine attempt to frankly ape a lot of the fashionable things that were in open world games about four years ago <laughs> so it's been surpassed especially last year by stuff like Horizon Zero Dawn Zelda Breath mm. of the Wild um, I think last year not necessarily on PC we saw a massive you know, generational shift in how open world games behave in terms of the intera- interactions in those worlds mm. and how good they feel and how good moving around them feels and how good combat and stuff and uh, feels in those games. Uh, Mad Max is definitely stuck in the, the previous era, but nonetheless, it still adopts um, the Arkham combat system. And so often I'd rather that um, people use the Arkham system <laughs> than create something new yeah. from scratch like <laughs> assassin's creed origins yeah and like the witcher 3 and like the witchers never had fun combat for me and the witch 3 like, it's the weakest aspect of the game for me is the combat mm. that uh whereas um you know shadow of war i love shadow of war's combat because they just lifted the arkham system and, and it just works it's because you know you just the things you expect to happen is it's not like analog it's just certain. So when you mm, see an icon yeah. flash over someone's head, you press the button, you get a cool animation, you follow up with a heavy attack, you get a very cool, like Mad Max, in Mad Max you get like massive right hooks, goes into slow motion, and a big f- sort of knockout flash happens and they go spinning away from you. And that's just always really satisfying. That's really good. I'd rather something simple like that than, especially if there's not going to be like a fully fleshed out combat system. Mm. I'm not expressing, I'm not expecting a kind of progression of combat mechanics from Mad Max, but it's given me like a little bit of combat gameplay that I find exciting over and over again having said that i am only an hour in and i'm so totally stuck in its kind of story tracked <laughs> you know how overworld games assassin's creed especially is bad for this uh orange is less so uh just puts you on a path for like four or five hours shadow of war is terrible for this like just mm. just railroading you for ages and ages and at the moment i'm just trying to break out of it just frantically push my way out of it at the moment i'm doing missions for a, a guy called chum bucket or something <laughs> i don't even know what his name is i think it's chum uh or something uh, because I, I went out to get some wire for him i had to beat up some 
bandits. Uh, and then I thought, oh, I'll explore, I'll explore the camp a little bit. So I just went behind a tent and it said, warning, go back to chum. <laughs> uh, I was like, oh, fuck's sake. Is it an open world game or is it not an open world game? And yeah. I wish that a lot of games, you know, these games have to make their mind about it. If you're going to have single player missions, they have to, you know, be set within the open world. Like putting just a little, you know, a band around uh, a part of your open world and then setting a single player mission inside it is just so fucking broken now mm. it's just so bad uh, i just I, I always expect better from open world games now like you just got to use the open world uh, actually um segueing actually uh, one thing i was ha- one of the things i have been playing is um gta online mm. uh, so i've been doing the new heist stuff which is the doomsday heist which was released for free and has received like a remarkable push from rockstar actually yeah i was what, seeing an advert for that before the last jedi yeah i saw that, that as well. <laughs> like, holy shit I, yeah so. i saw the same thing i've seen loads of telly adverts like, like, like you i was watching the last jedi and it came on before and it's like wow this is it's free just it's part of the game on gta online now you have to own a type of facility part of one of your heist team has to own a bunker in order to initiate it huh. for like 1.6 million in-game bucks but if you do any of the heists, the other free heists that come with the game, you're going to get that easily. Like it's not a, you know, it's not a hard amount of money to get. And so far it's been some of the best heist content in the entire game. And the heists are the best part of all of GTA five, mm. really, mm. uh, really smart, exciting co-op activities that really make use of the open world in, in superb ways. There's one we did recently, um, with a piece of gamers, Samuel Roberts and Phil Savage, we got like a heist crew together and Tom Hatfield as well. And we like, we all got into DeLoreans and had to like pursue separate trucks around the city and they were roaming across the city. We had to get within range of them and then hack them. And then there'd be another range, another load of trucks. Uh, and then we'd have to pursue those. Then suddenly there were boats and, so, and, and a guy comes on the radio and says, Oh, actually, if you press this button, your DeLoreans turn into hover cars. So you press the button and suddenly you sort of g- gently with a sort of vroom noise, your, your car lifts up and your wheels turn, you know, uh, horizontal and you start floating and suddenly you're chasing boats across the water in your separate DeLoreans on the separate missions across this open world map. And, uh, GTA city is just incredible. Uh, and then you come, come back together and said, okay, we've got one more thing to hack. It's a fucking jumbo jet. <laughs> so go to this, uh, you know, go to the, the runway and you see this enormous jumbo jet just slowly taking off. And they say, okay, actually, if you pull up now while you're at full speed, you're just going to fucking fly. And then you see these wings come out the side of your DeLoreans. And there are four of you just tailing a jumbo jet, firing, <laughs> blowing helicopters out of the sky as they're pursuing you with the homing rockets uh, and just trying to hack this jumbo jet. It's, it's absolutely spectacular stuff that really is a proper co-op open world experience. It's really exciting and actually works for a change. <laughs> unlike a lot of DJI Minds content. Huh, I really need to play that. It's really, really, really strong. Uh, it's just all of the infrastructure around the heists and all the, the infrastructure around uh, Detail Online is so creaky. It's uh, actually getting into the same server together, actually getting into the same yeah. game. L- expect loads of disconnections. Um, the last time we played, the servers just stopped working. <laughs> and so we all had to, we were all thrown out of the game. It takes about, you know, it, so, so long just to load it. And it's GTA Online was released alongside the console version probably like five or six years ago now. Like it's, it was, it's years ago. Uh, and it took them years to add the heists, but nonetheless, it's very, very old infrastructure and you can really feel it when they're trying to do too much with the kind of network bases mm, they have. That's so, man, that, that needs to be better. Like given that they're, cause I was hoping so that the fact that, you know, they were really rolling, uh, rolling out the advertising for this mm. would be an indication that, that stuff was fixed. Mm, you know what I mean? That they're confident in it, but that sucks. <laughs> no, it's, it's really, really bad. It's so, so hard to get in a game. And when you're in a game, it's so, so hard to stay in it. 
Um, you get people dropping all the time and, uh, the missions are getting better and better. They're like properly checkpointed now. They're much, they're really well designed. There are rumors that suggest that the, uh, the latest Doomsday heist was actually originally intended to be single player DLC that has been turned into an online heist, which is interesting because there are, there's loads of voice work in it. There are like a bunch of cutscenes. It uses a bunch of locations that, uh, people have been speculating, speculating about for years, like facilities out there in the wilderness in GTA 5 that never were part of the single player story. Like, uh, uh, and they're they're in this uh, they're in this piece of you know free mm. online co-op DLC. Uh, so I mean maybe I mean it's made so much money for them GTA Online, but I I can't wait for Red Dead Two and the surely there'll be an online equivalent there. And the idea of like a version of that but with cowboys and with <laughs> proper network infrastructure perhaps would be the best fucking thing ever. Like the best thing. Yeah, like, definitely. It would be incredible. Actually, I'll tell you what. If if there isn't because I know they they put it into GTA quickly, but if um Red Dead 2 online doesn't come with a plunk bag battlegrounds mode out of the bag i'd right. be absolutely <laughs> gobsmacked absolutely like i'd be amazed if they weren't already someone at rockstar isn't currently scrambling to redesign <laughs> was going to be into that absolutely yeah yeah but the idea of having like your own saloon or your own kind of gang of you know bandits that you, little mini clans that you roll together with you're rolling out with your horses, you know, across the, yeah, the world. They don't roll, Tom. They don't roll. You've seen them. <laughs> I have. That's something's gone terribly wrong. Yeah. Roll take, out auto horses. <laughs> you take it a corner too hard and suddenly. That horse be rolling. Uh, that, that. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens somewhere in West of Loathing. <laughs> <laughs> no, totally. But yeah, it was, a, it got me excited about future Rockstar stuff, really. Mm. Uh, especially because they've pivoted so hard to, to GTA Online from whatever their single player DLC campaigns were for that game. Like, all the other GTAs have received substantial single player updates, except GTA 5. And yeah. it feels like all of that energy has been channeled into online. Which, I mean, I imagine people are upset about that, but honestly, online is the best with all its problems online is the best thing about gta yeah for sure I and agree. I, I think you know i would like completely support them focusing on that creatively really because mm. it felt like a better use of those assets like i i felt from and i said this before but like gta 5 single player for me was like i got i was just so sick of it like mm. i got so sick of rockstar storytelling yeah so sick, sick of the types of stories they're interested in telling so sick of their way of telling them that i just wanted it over like it was like <laughs> yeah. like this sort of spectacular awful like if that story had been on a a less extravagantly produced game um and less technically well produced it would be garbage mm. if you know what i mean like it's that um like it's yeah so in, in any case them letting themselves go and like them doing hover deloreans versus <laughs> hack planes the game in multiplayer I'm perfectly happy with. I'd much rather they do stuff like that, honestly. Yeah. It really brought back something that I, I'd missed about GTA, which is that the true sense of silliness, not mm. just characters being silly, not just kind of people saying silly dumb shit or silly puns, like actual silliness in the game that you get to do, you know, jetpacks, flying DeLoreans, submarines, just prattling around together as a group. That, that is a, you know, the best thing in GTA is that, like, I've mm. always had the most fun doing that stuff. Totally. Yeah. Man, I'd like to play it again, actually, but I don't want to contend with the, <laughs> <laughs> the loading and the bugs and everything else. Still all there, man. Still all there. I know. Real, real shame. So, um, speaking of actually something losing all of its bugs, well, not, no, actually, I'll take that back. Something, uh, gaining a huge polish patch. Um, I went back to Plunk Bag because I wrote a review for your game. Oh, yeah, I it's out now, the, isn't it? Yeah, it's out now. But actually, 
I was really struck by how new it feels, hmm. which is kind of interesting, particularly because I imagine, obviously, it's the most popular <coughs> game in the universe, etc., etc., um, and it's you know been an enormous success. But it's still strange to see something emerge from early access into a full game, and that to feel like it actually meant something. Like there wasn't just a one point day for PUBG; it definitely rolled over into. And this is what we had in mind all along. <laughs> uh, and it exposes the, uh, the version of people who've been playing for the better part of six months of last year, um, as genuinely a early test kind of rough around the edges version of it. It's still got some issues. And I think the launch version of the game introduced some performance things that certainly affected me. This seem to have been patched pretty quickly. Um, but, um, I've been really enjoying it again. It's still sort of frustrating in some ways, but actually I've been gotten back into playing with a big squad and it's still, one of my favorite things to do with, with four or f- with four people specifically three or four people. Mm. Um, um, and it reliably produces, um, really fun, silly kind of tense moments. Uh, there's a few things that they have done new that, um, have struck me with one, how well implemented they are, but also just, uh, ways they feel like sort of, they illustrate the way that a game like that can go from like, I get why this is so popular, but it's, you know, rough around the edges to, oh shit, this is actually doing all the things you want it to do. Like, there was that thing when, when Popular first came out that uh, I think Marsh said or something, but it was like, that it was kind of amazing to see a game that felt a bit like Daisy. Right. Not be fucking busted. <laughs> like totally fucking busted. Yeah, yeah. And it was largely busted. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's like, you're so used to armor der- derived games being like, broken completely <laughs> broken nonsense. Yeah. Um, Whereas this now kind of does work and they've, you know, overhauled the front end of the game. So it's a lot slicker. The menus are a lot better, that kind of thing. It's still jank, but not as much, but like the addition of the sort of the vaulting and climbing stuff that they've worked in makes it feel so much better to navigate so much better. Like it's kind of revolutionary how different it feels because now you can sprint and vault over a waist high wall. You can climb (laughs) through windows. Um, you can jump on grab containers and that changes the way the original map feels a lot because suddenly things that were just sort of like impassable or a pain in the ass to get around before are now climbing routes and that mm. kind of thing. And it's, it's actually a really nice system. It's a very good tactile climbing system in an FPS, which to be honest, a lot of FPSs don't have yeah. the stuff you feel that like you should be able to do in an FPS where you like, you think your character should be able to jump and grab a ledge and pull themselves up. But because you can't, because typical FPSs require you to jump your entire body over something before you can get up it yeah. rather than jump high enough to reach it. Um, PUBG doesn't work that way. You can jump high enough to reach it and pull yourself up, which feels really natural. It's one of those things that mm. it's rare that that game does something that you want every first person shooter to steal, but I'd kind of like every first person shooter to just do that. Cause you know, to treat climbing and clambering more like a, yeah, you see, you see mantling systems in more and more FPSs, like even Destiny 2 has it now, like a, a more <clears> subtle version, but a bit like for your hands to reach out and just like haul you up, like for the game to anticipate what you're trying to do. Titanfall was always very good at this as well. Yeah, like, and it's, you know, it's, it's a lot slower. It's not like a, you know, it's not intending to turn you into like a speedrunner. Mm. Um, a speedrunner, I mean, a freerunner, like, a, it's not supposed to be parkour. But because it's a game of sort of like a lot of crouching in bushes and things, but it, it feels right. It's tactile and kind of fun and interesting. Jumping through windows is really good. Hmm. Um, changes the drama of doors, which is what Plunk Bag devolves into most of the time. You look at a town full of doors. If any of them are open, people have been there. Now you have to look at the glass as well because people can go through the windows. <laughs> Some buildings don't have glass. 
there's a really uh, i play a lot with my friend dan and um when you go through a window you obviously smash the glass and you makes a sound and if two of you are exploring different parts of town and kind of you know looting it together it's quite common to hear breaking glass as one of the, the other of you go through a window but it's very necessary to communicate that to your friend because obviously mm. and so um the first time this happens one of you does it without thinking about it and the other one goes ah, ah, and then someone goes it's me it's me it's me it's me it's me that has devolved over the course of hours to every time me or dan go through a window we kind of deadpan say it's me and then burst through a window um in a sort of bored fashion which is the best way to go through if you ever have to leap through a window in real life just like <laughs> smash through it and then go it's me it's me here i am <laughs> um but yeah, so that's, that's good. Um, but actually, the, uh, and the new map's really good. I really like it. Um, they've, it's a desert map, uh, with, um, cool new locations. A giant, I mean, it's each of, every time they do a map, they basically redo every asset in the game from scratch. It's all new vehicles. It's all hmm. different stuff. Um, it's got a VW van that you can drive around, which is a lot of fun. Um, They've made like driving off road a lot more risky and dangerous. So cars tend to have to stick to the road and also the map's a lot bigger. So you tend to rely on cars more and that sort of feels a lot more kind of, um, elegant in terms of where you can expect players to be moving, which is helpful. But the coolest thing, the thing I wanted to touch on is the replay system. Um, so in a very basic level now, when you die and the game is, if, if you've died solo or if your entire team has died, you can click a button to see your death cam. So you see your death from the other perspective, which is obviously really good for catching cheaters and things. Like hmm. it did literally like I've caught one cheater using it, like where it was without a shadow of a doubt, someone using an aimbot. Like there was, an, it was really interesting to watch because um me and all three of my friends just got wiped out within a couple of seconds of each other with, by this one guy on his own with an AK 47, uh just perfect bursts of like, three shot burst, three shot burst, three shot burst. And we all died and we were all popping up from like different parts of a ridgeline. So there was, there was no human way they'd done it. But what was interesting is going into the death cam and watching the guy's aim snap awkwardly um, around the hillside. And initially it looks like he, he can't be aiming normally because no one snaps from point to point, but it looks like he's struggling to line up the shot he wants. And what it was watching it back and, and triangulating it uh, through the replay system was his aim bot was snapping onto those of us who hadn't actually finished climbing the hill yet. Mm. So it was aiming through the hill at us. And then he was trying to like flick it from target to target mm. until he got the ones he could actually see. Um, but yeah, anyway, so that helps that. But the cool thing is uh, it saves the last 20 games you play um, as full replays. Oh, well. Uh, that you can load up and view from start to finish uh, with a like a timeline that you can skip along and, and rewind up and down, scrub hmm. up and down um, from every player's perspective. You can awesome. watch the entire match and that's really rad. That finishes the loop for Plunkbag for me in a cool way because that means that because when you're playing, it's often, often it's a very, it's a strange way to spend time. <laughs> you raid houses for 20 minutes, you have a conversation with your friend, you run into the woods and then you get killed by someone you never saw and then you load up to do it again and you didn't do anything, right? Like it's a remarkable amount of time. So not doing anything, but actually, um, and this doesn't solve that problem completely, but it is really interesting to watch the kind of chaos theory of it kind of, uh, play out all over the map. Like, um, because when you watch it back, you can see everyone's name tags, you can see everyone's health bars, you can see their perspective and what they were looking at and you can see, and if you go out onto the map view, you can see where everybody is. 
and it'll even draw like lines of bullets on the minimap so you can see <laughs> who's shooting and in what direction and where the bullet's actually going. And what's really interesting is because you can't see uh, names at all when you're playing of, of anyone who isn't on your team. Um, you often don't know how many times you re-encounter the same people. Mm. Like, you know, you shoot that one guy near the start of the game and you wing him with a bullet, but then he runs off into the bushes. And then 20 minutes later, you're in this tent standoff with a guy on a hill and we watched the replay. Like, that was the same guy. And he went on a different adventure and that stuff's really cool. And it's just really fun to, um, I won one today. I won a solo one today. It's the second solo I've ever won. And it was really fun watching the final stage. Cause it was a really tense ending. And it was really fun watching like the last six people from each of their perspectives. Cause it is this sort of kind of crazy web of chance and kind of people micro decisions everyone's making and I, I do think i think there's a fundamentally random aspect to battlegrounds yeah. like um luck plays a huge factor obviously you need to be good at shooting and stuff but sometimes bullet just spring up into people's brain you you see a lot of kill shots that are just like someone panic sprays and the game ballistics decided that this time the panic spraying made the bullet go into the guy's head and they won but um but and that can be satisfying. Sorry, that can be unsatisfying and frustrating when you only have your perspective on it, and it's just a lot of like "oh come on" moments. Mm. But when you can kind of load up the, the replay and watch that kind of like zoomed out. Oh man, that guy looted the guy I killed earlier, and then he ended up here, and then he was hiding in this building for ages, and I didn't know he was here, and, and that kind of thing. And it's just fun to watch. Basically, it's just a really cool addition, and it's it's definitely maybe aimed at esports or something, but it doesn't need to be because it's just it, it makes the game feel fuller to me. More like a kind of um, uh, less sort of like a big box of stuff that you drop into and try and fight your way back out of, and more like a kind of um, sort of designed competitive experience where you can kind of see how things flow. It's good, cool. basically. If you all had sufficiently interesting conversations with everyone you met in Plunklag, like out loud in the through the voice comms. Um, someone watching a replay could basically play Tacoma. <laughs> like, every time they come across an interesting exchange, then rewind and say, oh, what was this guy doing before that conversation? Yeah, that's actually a really good point. Like, I mean, obviously, like, I don't think the replays record your any of the in-game chat. Right. But actually, you've I was trying to figure out what this reminded me of, and you're right, it does remind me of Tacoma. <laughs> it is like gun Tacoma, basically. It's like... Gun home. Gun home, <laughs> yeah. Gun, yeah. But, like, it's the same thing. It's like... It's really, there's something basically interesting about understanding your perspective on a scenario where it's like, and then stopping that moment and following all of the different elements back yeah. to where they came from. And you can do that in as much granular detail as you like. Like, oh, that guy showed up in a ghillie suit with a really good sniper rifle. When did he get that? Yeah. And you can follow that journey back to its start. I guess that'd be good also for learning the map. Like, mm. if you're a new player and you don't know where good items spawn, anyone who kills you with a good item, you can, like, trace them back and say, where did they get that? Yeah, although that's random as well. So Yeah, but there is there's concentrations of good stuff, right? Yeah, although I think, I mean, some of that is true and some of that is just plunk magic like people kind of get obsessed with the idea that certain things are going to work and then yeah there's a lot of that but nonetheless it's just it's just interesting particularly because you know that they're all just people right like it's not ai doing anything it's all like people <laughs> except that one guy with a bot <laughs> except the one guy with the bot but the the other the other side of it that's nice as well is you realize how much other people were panicking when <laughs> yeah. you when you play you feel like the panickiest most yeah. useless person 
and it's nice to so i won that one earlier and i got jumped by somebody in the final four who fired a my experience of this was i heard the shot i got took one hit and then i was like oh shit maybe this is it but something that i've got better at in the game is not panicking and just going like often if you're getting shot at best thing to do is not really return fire straight away particularly if you're not in a good position it's to like just run around and try and wait for them to run out of bullets get to cover (laughs) something like that because if the game is going to decide that one of those random bullets hit you in the head that's just going to happen like there's actually not loads you can do about it really so you're better off waiting a moment waiting for them to panic and then shooting them in the head (laughs) and this guy unloads like an i I experienced this just bullets bouncing everywhere around me and then I could hear him run out of bullets and I just turned and killed him. And then from his perspective, I, you're watching someone have a bad experience, which isn't obviously someone had the fucking awful experience <laughs> of climbing over a fence, seeing me walking a few feet, getting his gun out and then just firing it into the air. Like he sort of wanted to try and lead, but didn't. And then just completely fucking misses and then bottles it, runs, gets clipped on a wall, slightly runs into a wall for a bit. And then I shoot him and watching it from his perspective or her, her perspective was funny because it was that reminder that, Oh shit, I've totally done that. And everyone playing this is kind of, um, you know, uh, a priv- like privy to the same kind of weaknesses and, and, uh, problems. Like, um, I won that one partly because the guy, I caught the guy, the last guy lying down drinking a soda to the top of his adrenaline bar <laughs> And looking at when watching it from his perspective, looking at where he was pointing his camera, he was completely convinced I was somewhere else. Like he was completely looking the wrong direction. And it's like, that's a freebie. But when you find it, you don't see all the different decisions and things they've heard. And yeah, being, even being able to hear the positional sound from other people's perspectives is cool. Basically it's a good replay system. And I've possibly wanged on about it too much, but yeah, it's nice to see, it's nice to see that game come out and be kind of full featured and, and finished feeling rather than, because, I mean, to be honest, they made all, all the money in the universe from the mm-hmm. unfinished test version. So, yeah. I would definitely recommend people kind of play it with friends. Because it's it's actually like the GTA Heist. It's just a really well-structured co-op evening. And it actually works, which is... <laughs> that always helps. Yeah. Should we do some questions? Yes. First questions of the new year. Wow. They'd better be good, <laughs> listeners. And so a lot of the first questions we got for the new year were about the new year and were all the same question, which uh-huh. was, which games are we looking forward to in 2018? I do want to uh, give the honour of asking this question, however, to Adam, because he was the first, hmm. uh, who writes... There are lots of games due to release in 2018, but very few of them so far excite me. Fruity semicolon. Do any of them particularly excite you? Question mark. Yes. <laughs> uh, Into the Breach, obviously. Mm. Um, and Spelunky 2. I don't think there is an official date for that, but I assume it's it's this year. Mm. Um, there's, I mean, yeah, all indie games really are like, who the fuck knows? But <laughs> if it hasn't come out yet, let's assume it's in the next year. <laughs> It'd be one, three or seven years away. <laughs> A spy party for all we know. Could come out this year. <laughs> There's a rumor saying that Death Stranding will come out this year. There's no way it will come out this year. <laughs> but I'm actually really excited to see what the hell Death Stranding is. I thought the last trailer was really, really 
horribly good (laughs) (laughs) genuinely nightmarish really interesting vision for a kind of uh a video game hellscape and quite unusual actually unlike any other game i've seen really Mm. uh so yeah i'm I'm, uh now much more excited about death stranding even though who the hell knows what that game is Hmm. um i think it's going to be an awesome year for strategy games into the breach is a good one of course uh i I don't think that the new age of empires will come out this year but i can't wait to see what relic are going to do with uh, the age of empires Mm. Huh. Uh, license. Uh, that was announced late last year. Yeah, I wanted to mention, um, Total War Saga Throne of yeah, Britannia. That's also really exciting. Yeah, although, so I will confess to a tiny bit of disappointment because obviously they've been quite, they haven't shown loads of this yet. Mm. So this is the next Total War game, which is, um, part of, um, what is presumably going to be a series of saga games but by all accounts they're actually like actual total war games they're full-size total war games but they focus on like a historical flashpoint rather than a whole era so they, they seem to be mm. a little bit more focused on a particular geographical area and a particular period of time so, yeah, so this is a good one dark ages mm. britain basically and and that's great i'm super into that period yeah, and same. um and if this is a way for them to apply some of that the structure of total warhammer 2 which i really loved Mm. to uh, a traditional historical Total War, then that sounds great. My my slight disappointment stems from uh, the announcement trailer and the and the art that they released on Steam when the game was listed is quite evocative, like sort of Banner Saga-y kind of. Mm. Um, there's, there's a lot of Britannia and Vikings going around in, in pop culture at the moment, but it, of a theme with that, but nonetheless... Um, and then uh, I think the, the, the lead news story, official news story for the game on Steam is like the announcement of... Uh, Alfred the Great is one of the lead characters and the character art is definitely still Total War character art which I didn't realise until I'd seen the disconnect between those two things that I really want like a more stylish Total War game I thought mm. Shogun 2 got close to right, that yes. right but you know what I mean like, did, yes, yeah. uh, not to say that obviously the Warhammer games are pretty good looking when they want to be as well but they are someone else's art style I would love to see something like Dark Ages Europe rendered kind of really evocatively. Yeah, I'd love to see as well, um, focusing on fewer playable factions, but that are meaningfully different. Mm. That's the thing that the Total War Warhammer games do so, so well that um, I often find that the the historical games struggle with a little bit. Not that there isn't variety in the historical games. There's huge variety in, like, Rome 2. If you play Assassin's, Mm. you're getting a completely different game to to Rome. It's just there are too many factions, and it's very hard to wade through them to find the one. I'd rather have fewer factions that are meaningfully different. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that sounds fun. That is exciting. That was on the list of interesting... um, Actually, there is a lot of um, potentially good strategy stuff. I really wanted to highlight Battletech. Oh yeah, really looking forward to BattleTech. That's Did the, I talk about BattleTech on the podcast? Yeah, yeah. Thought, sounds really good. Because um, I played that a couple of months ago um, in an early version, and it was great. Um, it's MechWarrior XCOM, mm. and you, I'm in basically as soon as you say that. Yeah, and, yeah definitely. Um, all the stuff they're doing around it, and the way they are sort of rethinking what the stakes need to be in an XCOM style game. I love the idea of an XCOM style game where you're more, but you're running a mercenary outfit um, with um, interesting soft fail states because it's not the end. Of, it's literally not the end of the world. You are a mercenary working, fighting other people's wars. So really the win or lose of it, you might sometimes have a plot reason to care, but like winning and losing is, is not as important as how much you get paid and how many your people survive. 
So it's not worth throwing your people's lives away for a job that isn't worth it. But also the game is, is designed to recognize partial success of missions hmm. for part payment and that kind of thing. So I really love the idea of an XCOM style game that makes you less afraid of the actually we were pulling out now button less intensely punishing yeah it's got to yeah. not, not just in terms of the the, blah, 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 the mission but in, in an XCOM game traditionally you can't really extract from a mission technically you can but that is a catastrophic failure <laughs> yeah it's just marginally less catastrophic than if you lost on. everybody yeah, yeah there'll be a whole bunch of like campaign penalties for doing that and mm. yeah it's so bad that you don't really want to do it I like the idea that in this you can do that and that faction will maybe pay you a little bit for what you managed to do probably not like you anymore mm. but there are other factions Go fight for the other side if you want. You know what I mean? That kind of thing I really like. Yeah. And I like MechWarrior Universe and yeah, so I'm really excited about that. There's also um, Frozen Synapse 2 as well, which... Yeah. Yeah. That'll be interesting. I forward to that. Mm. I don't know. I know that they're doing like a big procedural city and all this stuff and you sort of like, your missions take place in these buildings that you see on the map. Um, But beyond that, like I don't know much about what they're doing to the tactical game. Like if that's if that's a case of like, oh, we've got the big new idea that we're going to do to that, or if it's just we'll do the same. There's a lot more stuff. I've seen it in a few different (laughs) iterations because the Mode Seven guys have been at both PC Game Weekenders that I worked on, and um, I think we're on the live stream both times as well. So I saw the game both times, and there's definitely. I I don't have the all the granular information in my head at the moment, but there's definitely more weapons and more advanced AI and. And that kind of thing. But it feels like a more, like a, I suspect a kind of, like a logical sequel to the tactical stuff from the first game, plus this open world city strategy layer on top mm. of that. Yeah. Sounds cool. Looks beautiful. Um, uh, when the IGF nominees came out, uh, Phil Savage mentioned that he's really looking forward to a game called Wonder Song, or mm. that he really loved. Is it Wonder Song? I don't know. Sure I'm going to say it is. Um, uh, he was surprised I didn't get nominated because it was one of his favorites from the thing. So I, I sort of Googled it to see if I could play it and I can't because it's not out yet. So I guess it's coming out this year. So that's the thing I'm excited about. Now. <laughs> uh, Age of Empires Definitive Edition is due out this year, I think, uh, which is just obviously a nostalgia fest, but one that I'm happy to wallow in <laughs> when, they, <laughs> when it comes around. Uh, I'm really excited about, I can't remember the name of it because uh, it's a made-up word, <clears throat> but it's like a mining drone builder huh. game. Uh, oh, not uh, Nim- Nimbutus? Nimbutus, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the best trailers of, of last year. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's a kind of Captain Forever style shipbuilding system, uh, but you build a thing that needs to both fend off drones and also drill through the crust of a planet and yeah. fit through a little hole. So it's a very interesting design challenge and, and a very, um, I downloaded the demo and played it the other day oh, yeah. and, uh, it's got a very nice, easy going, uh, sort of slotting blocks onto a, uh, a, a hub building system that's really easy to build and cool. it's right on uh, and whatever you know you've got half a prototype going you just pre- press a button and you're in like a virtual space just testing it immediately just testing oh, the thrusters nice. work so that that feels like a really nice quick iteration process and that's what it needs I think to not be frustrating yeah. uh, it looks beautiful as well lovely lasers yeah that's that's one of those games where I've been following it for years because the gifts are so good yes. you just see a gif of that and you're like oh wow yeah, wanna... yeah. lasers <laughs> everywhere want to give a a shout out to Untitled Goose Game. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. That looks really funny. I'm, I'm actually more excited about that now that I've played it. Like it's, mm. um, it has a lot more scope than I realized. Like there's just mm. uh, 
just so many ways to mess with a farmer. <laughs> I really, really want to play it on a couch with you guys. I think that would be a hilarious yeah. kind of thing to do. Uh, yeah, I just want to watch Pip party. play it, really. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, um, yeah that'd be good. <laughs> Top trolling. Feels like a very natural fit. Well, I mean, it's it's Pip's D&D character, the game. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, also, I wanted to uh, shout out to... There's a, there's a trio of um, pirate ship games that I'm interested oh, in. Oh, yeah. Actually, quad quadro. Loads, aren't there? Yeah. There's, yeah, the nineties, um, <laughs> back garden, um, construction set quadro of games. Um, so there's Sea of Thieves, which actually I'm kind of, which is Rare's co-op sort of lightly competitive pirate adventure game, mm. uh, which looks lovely. And I really want it to work because I, you know, we were talking about wanting GTA heists in, uh, Cowboys land. Cowboys land, America. <laughs> um, but, um, I kind of want it in pirate land. I think I want to go on pirate raids with my friends and sail off again. And mm. also a lot of my most sort of, um, reliably entertaining multiplayer experiences at the moment are, well, it's, it's, it's battlegrounds. So it's, it's sort of just all jumping in together and going off on an adventure in a direction is a yeah. format that suits me. So I'm kind of excited about that. Um, yeah, that's good. In a similar vein, I'm quite excited about Monster Hunter World. Mm. Which I played a bit on the 3DS and is a very strange game, especially controls wise. It seems like quite an acquired taste, but could be amazing in co-op. It's fighting giant personable creatures. What about that indie game where you're a cat? <laughs> oh yeah. The one that's peaceful kind of. Yeah, the one that just looks ridiculously good. Yeah. It just looks yeah. like, like footage of a cat <laughs> running through, uh, beautiful, like, uh, neon lit streets. Untitled um, cyberpunk cat game. I have no idea what the game's about. I have no idea what you do in it, but it just looks so fucking good. Yeah, you can't it's help it. I'm quite interested in Ooblets, actually. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, which uh, is, uh, I, double finds. Uh, yeah, by uh, Rebecca Cordingly and I'm not sure what the name of the other developer is. Um, that is, I think it's a kind of like a sort of Pokemon type format where you're sort of like, you're recruiting these little plant based dudes and you have them fight for you. Hmm. Uh, but it looks really, really cute. And, um, uh, all the people in it, uh, are wearing very comfortable clothing and then doing funky dances. <laughs> that appeals to me. Uh, I want to just return to the subject of boats momentarily. Oh, yes. Um, I wish I can do between games, I guess, <laughs> um, to mention, um, Skull and Bones, which is Ubisoft's, um, the boats bit from Assassin's Creed 4, but yeah. a multiplayer game, the game. Really excited about that. Which I played last year in the Ubisoft Singapore office and really liked. Mm. I would nominate that for being the probably doomed off kill <laughs> multiplayer game i'm gonna love in 2018 this this year's for honor i guess yeah yeah for so, boats yeah for for boats mm. for honor for boats yes it's going to be the ubisoft um stripped down multiplayer game with a uh a distinctive selling point that probably struggles to find players of the year for me <laughs> um unless it does a rainbow six which it could do but people love yeah. the Rainbow Six. They don't necessarily love the Swordsman or the Pirates. But yeah, I really liked what I played of it. And um, I'd like something like that to succeed. Because it's just nice when there are more competitive multiplayer options than the obvious ones. Yeah. Abandoned Ship, isn't it? Indian? I was going to mention that. Yeah. Do you hear about Pirates or Sea? Gary Virtual's, um <laughs> sort of uh, nautical FTL FTL. style. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, nice. Looks lovely water, would you expect? Mm. But yeah, um, I've seen that again in a few stages of development because Gary's come to a weekender and, and yeah, that's looking good. Yeah, looks right this year. Uh, we might as well finish the boats off while we're here. <laughs> uh, I'm, so I'm looking forward to Pillars of Eternity Deadfire or Dreadfire? Dreadfire, I think. Dreadfire. Is it Dreadfire or Deadfire? I thought it was Dreadfire, but I've written know. Deadfire. It's got boats in it. Yeah, it's got boats in it. Pirates Might of Eternity. Um, but this highlights to me the tremendous backlog. Like, <laughs> I think I've, I'm getting like a CRPG shame pile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're so hard to finish, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I've not finished Pillars. I've, I didn't even get to start Divinity. I, I hoped over Christmas I didn't manage I it. haven't finished Pillars to the point where I might start it again. Yeah, same. <laughs> um, Divinity I have stalled with. And I want to replay Tides of Numenera. <laughs> so. Yeah, I can't play Tyranny because I just, I feel like, I just feel like, oh, I wish I was playing Pillars whenever I'm playing Tyranny. So, uh, yeah. Oh, that's so good as well. I know. That's so beautiful oh, now as well. Why am I unemployed? <laughs> <laughs> um, so also actually, maybe just to put a hat on boats. Um, <laughs> Always a priority. <laughs> Uh, Sun the Skies is out in May. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which I'm looking forward to as mm. well. Space boats. Space boats. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited about that because I, I, I love their writing. I love their worlds. And I always keep wanting them to refine the form, mm. formula of their games. And I hope this is an opportunity for mm. them to kind of to do that. Yeah. Uh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I love um, Fallen London and, and Sun of the Sea, although the mechanics of both have never yeah, same. excited me. So, um Yes, definitely. This is another swing at that, which is mm. I'm happy to see. I wonder what Brendan Chung will do next. Mm. Probably, well, I have no idea, yeah. but I have no reason to expect it to come out next year. But um, I'm excited to just see where he goes after Quarter After Cowboy. Yeah. We should get like a like a a JavaScript or something that just combines like <laughs> a cool off kilter mammal <laughs> with a '60s spy movie trope. <laughs> I mean, and so, then a South American country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I played that uh, Flotilla 2 prototype, mm. but I don't actually know if that's his next project or if, um, and if so, if that's a big project or if it's just a kind of like, oh, it's a little VR demo thing. I, I wish that um, there, it was easy for people to make quadrilateral cowboy levels. Not that you mm. know, he would... Uh, you would ever build that functionality, but I really want, I'd love it does. that tool set, but with. No, I think it does have some way of building them because there's a oh, Steam yeah. Workshop support and I saw a bunch of mission oh, names. Um, and I'm not going to be able to remember them off the top of my head, but they were really mm. good names. They were just like the kind of things you expect Brennan Chung yeah. to come up with. <laughs> oh man, maybe I'll play those and write about them for PC Gamer. I wonder if he. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> uh, maybe that's my job tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's I wonder if you like post Christmas period. I can't remember. I think I've just released like a, a, an editor and stuff. Because hmm. sometimes he releases the source code to his games because the um, the source code to the engine is also public because it's, um, it's like Quake Three Quake or Doom Three, thing, isn't it? Yeah. Hmm. Also, wants to give a little shout out to um, two different games for people who wish it was twelve. 50 and they were a big person with armor and a sword um mountain blade 2 bannerlord <laughs> yes which is actually coming out this year yeah I'm, yeah i'm really uh, which I'm, I'm actually looking forward to even though that community has absolutely ruined it for me <laughs> by ruining two consecutive live streams that i <laughs> weekend, uh, the the fan base is extraordinarily passionate and that's a very nice way of <laughs> putting it yeah uh the the, the 
like the original Metal Blade was so good because it's like a platform for extraordinary yeah, I was weird a, mods. I was like a early like alpha payee of Mountain Blade mm. way back when. And it was, and, yeah. Oh, it was always so like wonderfully shonky, but actually could generate stories and was such a weird, unusual hybrid of game types. You know, the idea that you'd be on horseback for one moment, but then wandering around a, an overworld map, sort of trying to hire bandits and stuff at the next. So, uh, I mean, the new one looks equally kind of in terms of like moment to moment combat and stuff like, swing and hope type just running past people holding a mouse button letting go at the right moment to try and hope hopefully cleave someone's head off maybe that's what things were like back then <laughs> uh, but uh I, I am looking forward to it i'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm kind of uh, even i'm looking forward to what the community does with that game as much as the game itself coming out probably f- freak out run around in circles and pass out <laughs> yeah. um, once that once the sugar rush is over then uh we'll see some the other one is uh kingdom come deliverance oh, yeah. which yeah. i have played and liked so I, i'm looking forward to that that's a sort of lo-fi uh open world rpg in the kind of skyrim vein mm. but made with a, a simulation eye to sword fighting and medieval life to some extent yeah um i really liked the look of all the combat and all the and the world and moving around it everything except talking to humans <laughs> talk to npcs and all of that stuff seems yeah kind of like, i yeah. think the best way to think about it mm. is as medieval stalker <laughs> okay right you know how stalker like you made that sound very very good <laughs> I, i'd love to play that that's, that's amazing that's kind of how it felt like mm. it was on the fringe of that like a little bit janky and like like actually maybe so a consequence of the early build that i played hadn't been through proper localization hmm. it was like english language but obviously it's um not you know being developed by people who are native english speakers so it had that slight as stalker did that slight sort of off like when i say off language i don't mean inappropriate language i mean you know, nothing, it doesn't feel quite right yet. I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, and so maybe it will get a polish pass. I almost hope it doesn't, because I think that kind of like, mm. like sort of. Oh, that fed into Stalker. Yeah. It, yeah. It almost helps. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Mm. Uh, I'm, the other one I wanted to mention, um, although I don't know enough about it to know, th- <laughs> but it's on the list is, um, Zoe Quinn's Chuck Tingle game is going to come out oh, this year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which I really, really, really want to play. Um, yeah. It looks hilarious, doesn't it? <laughs> um, because, Yes, because, um, I kind of love that Chuck Tingle exists dearly. Hmm. And I love that he's so excited for this to exist <laughs> and that someone is making an FMV. <laughs> yeah, <it's> like, <laughs> please visit the Kickstarter page. It's very, very good. Yeah. So good videos. I thought of a couple more. Um, what the fuck is the name of that one? That's like museum of, uh, I've thought of a couple more. He says something <laughs> technology. <laughs> The museum is something technology and it's, uh, the one where like, uh, you can sort of place a small object such that it looks like it's a big object leaning against the wall and then it just becomes a big object. You know, it's far away. <laughs> that game, uh, it blows up on Reddit like once a year. Um, and people talk about it as like, Oh, this is what Portal 3 should be. Um, what we- I'm pretty sure it's museum of something technology, museum of simulation technology like it's a weird name it doesn't really explain what it's about but it's uh yeah just a bunch of like crazy Check the show notes to find out what this is called. <laughs> yeah i'm not familiar with this one um uh, if you haven't seen the video of it you definitely should uh, but you probably have and i've just completely forgotten it because <laughs> it was uh quite a big one but yeah it's just kind of about changing the scale of things and also about going through portals that then make you giant or tiny um 
and stuff like that. Um, and I'm very curious about uh, where the water tastes like wine, mm. um, which is one of the nominees in the IGF. Um, and that is a game with 25 writers. <laughs> oh, wow. It's a game about stories and about I mean, kind of collecting like, stories. It's, it's got like a compilation aspect to it. It's not yeah. Like, right. yeah. It's not like 25 people wrote it um, together. Yeah. So the, I think they, I think uh, each person wrote a story, possibly multiple stories, but there are, there are sort of isolated stories in it. You go, you travel to America uh, talking to people and gathering their stories, but there's also, that doesn't begin to describe uh, a game. And I think there is a, like more to it than that, and I don't know what it is, and that's kind of why I'm interested to to see it. It's just mm. like, how does this hold together? Like, how does you actually play it, and how does it work? Mm. I have more recommendations. I'm really on my phone looking them up. Um, <laughs> there's some really cool kind of adventure games. So there's um, war games hashtag war games even. Which, oh yeah, which is Sambalo's Sambalo's next thing, and who it might not be a conventional game at all, but I yeah. can't wait to see what Sambalo does next anyway. Um, but there's, there are quite a few interesting storytelling games coming out. Which I will talk to you about in a moment. I mean, her story too is also a thing that's announced. Mm. Um, maybe if that won't come out next year, if he's also releasing the war games thing. Mm. We've omitted AAA stuff largely, which is no bad thing necessarily. But I, I was, when I was going through the list, it kind of struck me by like how nothing on the current Far Cry Five, I guess. Far Cry Five, yeah. Um, although I've not really gotten into a Far Cry since three, to be honest. <laughs> I know I have, you love them. I've got into all of them. <laughs> and I will get into this one, I'm pretty sure. Did you see um James Davenport's thing about his dad? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> he, for for listeners who might not be familiar with this, um James Davenport did a sort of a jokey post on PC Gamer to say, please put my dad in, in Far Cry five because his um dad uh did he own a farm in uh, James is from Montana, right? Yeah, yeah. he's from Montana, so yeah. And, yeah. and he's he thinks his dad is like a sort of great example of what people in Montana are like. <laughs> and uh it, he got to play Far Cry Five at a preview event and there is a farm called Davenport Farm <laughs> and on that farm uh, there are specific references to his dad that you can see except for a note that is written by the farm owner's son about his love for is it bulls or sheep? Whatever he can get his hands on. I, I think it's, I think it's, he's, uh, saying how erotic, um, bull's testicles are. <laughs> and so, um, uh, James has interpreted this as Ubisoft owning him. <laughs> he wrote a post saying, did I just get seriously owned by Ubisoft and then recorded a video of him slowly exploring this farm, the Davenport farm, where it reveals this hidden bestiality subplot that it may or may not be directed to him. <laughs> in, the, a, in the service of, um, of learning a story, I, I learned that Far Cry High involves a sort of, uh, side quests about, maybe even main quests about, uh, gathering multiple kinds of bull testicles for the testicle festival which feels like the kind of like testicle, lazy weak ass joke <laughs> that um <laughs> that rockstar would do in a in a like um funny yeah, game but yeah. actually it's a, it's a real festival that does happen in montana <laughs> 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 it really is a testicle festival so i kind of give it a pass for that but i don't want to do those quests and i hope they're optional hmm. um so adventure games i was looking for there's uh, one called a place for the unwilling um which is an adventure game set in like a Victorian era city for like shrouded in fog and mystery. And there's a, uh, the idea is you kind of go through the sequence over and over again, but you can talk to anyone and like there are murders and kind of intrigue set around the town. Mm. And there's a performance of, uh, the yellow king on at the theater. Oh, cool. Apparently there's lots of those influences like spread throughout. So it's the old Robert Chambers. Mm, mm. Indeed. Uh, so there's a, uh, that's a, 
she's the art for it is just absolutely gorgeous as well that's actually sounds rad yeah i really want people to dig into like i want games to dig beyond lovecraft when doing yeah cosmic horror uh the other kind of curiosity is a way out which is a kind of uh, yeah. the local co-op take where on i think it's like a prison break or something. it's that one sequence from uncharted 4 but as a whole game <laughs> um or is it um originally it was uh, uh fahrenheit or indigo prophecy i think it was called where um oh no no, I, I think I might be getting mixed up. But there's a the scene, the first the opening scene in Fahrenheit. You play as someone who's just committed a crime. And you yeah. don't know what's happened, and you you're sort of cleaning up after a murder. Cleaning up after a murder, and then it switches to the cop, and suddenly you're playing as uh, the person investigating your own murder, which is mm. an amazing first scene. This isn't quite like that. It's much more of like a co-op kind of mm-hmm. uh, escape game. Um, but it's, it's a novel idea, quite unusual. Uh, the third and final one I wanted to mention was No Truce with the Furies. Um, you play a cop. Uh, and you could be any sort of cop you like from, uh, good cop, bad cop, <laughs> <Ugly> cop. <laughs> the two types of cop, um, fascist cop or social, socialist revolutionary cop, if you like. Um, good cop, bad cop. I mean, the other way around. <laughs> uh, it's inspired by Kentucky Route Zero and Planescape Torment and again looks really beautiful, uh, and again, like, expects more kind of supernatural undertones. It's really cool, beautiful adventure games coming out in the coming year or wow. two. That's really good suggestions. Nice. Hmm. Hopefully that answers your question. What you're looking forward to in? <laughs> yeah, there's loads of stuff. I'm really excited about this. Year. Yeah, yeah, there is loads. Especially after I felt like last year was a bit quiet for PC games in particular. Mm. Then PC games got outshone a bit by console yeah, parts. Just... I think this this year will be much more fruitful, especially for smaller indie games. I think it's going to be awesome. Totally. What was your not to put you on the spot, but um, did you have a specific pick for your game of the year last oh, year? Oh yeah, because we got your list. We, oh, we had yeah. a short list, but we didn't know. I which... found I found it so hard to choose. <laughs> I found it really hard to choose like a uh, anything that really totally captured me like really inspired me last year um i think the thing that i most reliably was entertained by was it was a toss-up between war of the chosen the xcom mm. 2 expansion and actually total war warhammer 2 uh, but the latter mostly because it's like such a big crossover of my interests that i couldn't not like it even though it's actually like significant design improvements on previous total wars and a total war is a series i've always loved um xcom 2 war of the chosen i think is uh, I think it actually did dilute the qualities of the original XCOM 2 in some ways, but it en- introduced such cool toys and such new, yeah. cool new ways to interact with the game. Uh, I had such a great time with it. And I think, um, I can't think of a, a, you know, a more inspiring way to revive a series than the XCOM, what, what Firaxis has done with XCOM. Yeah. I think it's just an mm. absolutely brilliant modernization of, of that idea. Uh, and, and that's in an era of, of lots of brilliant modernizations from Wolfenstein to Doom as well. Um, I, think I think it's that, yeah. equivalent to what they did with Deus Ex. Mm. That's how it feels to me. Yeah. And like making good on the promise of this original thing. Yeah, and they dropped yeah. all the old, you know, just... Looking at this series, but without the nostalgia, mm. like being, uh, you know, mm. completely happy to drop massive aspects of it to actually make it more focused and, and bring it to a modern audience. I really respect the discipline and kind of intelligence it takes to do that. Um, for both XCOM and Doom and Wolfenstein, even though I didn't get, like Chris, I didn't really get on with, um, the last year's Wolfenstein at all. Though that wasn't the tone thing at all. It was purely fucking picking up <laughs> health packs all the time every yeah, second. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't fun. No, it's not fun. Hmm. But what would you pick? I will <laughs> you've go. Had two games. I will go with War of the Chosen. Cool. I think. Yeah. You've chosen War of, War the, of chosen. the Chosen. Good. Our next question comes from Matthew, who writes: "You have to pitch a game idea based on the title, but not necessarily the subject or content of the last book you read. What is your game, and how does it work?" 
the last novel I read, and by read I mean listened to as an audiobook, um, was Two Kinds of Truth, which is a Bosch uh, novel, detective novel. So I think I just want to make my detective game that I keep talking about, mm-hmm. <laughs> where like um, you interview witnesses and they'll give you their stories, and then from those stories it pieces together like a simulation of what happens, uh, like a st- sort of uh, crude computer simulation, but all of the information given to you by witness A is color-coded green and all of the information given to you by witness B is color-coded red Mm. and uh, so on for like, you know, five or six suspects. And then you kind of, you get to play all those things together and you get to see where they diverge and you get to figure out like, oh, does that diverge because those two people have hazy memories of what happened? Or if we have a conflict, like whose testimony can we take out of this to make it all make sense? Mm. The, so... I guess it would be, have to be called like two to six kinds of truth. <laughs> <laughs> um, the last, so I spent Christmas reading like, like chain reading Warhammer novels. So I don't really want to go with the names of any of them because they are fundamentally like video gamey names anyway, being fantasy novels. Um, so I was going to go with the last book I read before that, which was, um, the heart goes last by Margaret Atwood. Hmm. Um, which I think would be a, like maybe a, a, a turn-based RPG <laughs> starring body organs <laughs> where you have a variable initiative order. However, the, the slowest heart. organ is the heart. <laughs> so the heart does always go last, but maybe has, you know, um, sorry, high hit points. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also, yeah, it's got very high hit points as well. Yeah. I haven't fleshed that idea much more than that. <laughs> Yeah, or maybe it's like it's just the world's most granular JRPG where turn by turn you decide what every organ in each of <laughs> bodies is doing that turn. Um, I think you should beat again. I know yeah. you've done that a lot of turns. And but. In each case, you have to choose what the heart's going to do last. <laughs> and yeah, your options are beat or not. Beat. <laughs> have you, you beat, beat not or beat. end turn? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or skip. Oh shit! <laughs> skip turn. But- yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm currently reading a Warhammer book uh, called Spear of Shadows, which, you know, proves Chris's on, point. On my recommendation, <laughs> because I finished it on, like, Boxing Day and, he, and immediately emailed you to be like, read this. Yeah, it's, it's great it's, if you like Warhammer. Um, but I like the idea of weaponizing shadows as a game mechanic. <laughs> so imagine if you're in a room with, um, you know, imagine an isometric game with a, a low light source with all these long-stretching shadows, but you can click on a shadow and get it to assassinate a person while they're not looking. Or what if, like, what if... You can move the light source around and it's a puzzle game. What if there was legitimately a game where, or like a multiplayer game, like a kind of a gang beast or a Nidhogg-style brawling game where your physical characters don't have weapons, Mm. but if you manipulate the environment, you can cast shadows that make it look like you've got a weapon (laughs) and whatever your shadow is is what your physical hitbox is. Mm. That'd be great. Lots of lovely shadow mechanics. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, or using shadows to kind of lock people in place. You know, if, if you can move shadows around behind people's backs, and it's kind of a nightmarish idea, but uh, there's, yeah, there's definitely game mechanics in that. There's definitely game mechanics in that. That was actually a really surprisingly fruitful <laughs> way of generating <laughs> Should be a game jam based yeah, on exactly. that particular subject matter. Yeah, yeah. Book jam. There is one about judging something about its cover. I think it, maybe it's not books, but it's um like old cartridges. Mm. You take old cartridge art and without knowing anything about what the game was, just try and make the game of that. Yeah, that's a cool idea. 
Our final question of the evening comes from Zed Fang, who writes, With that vampire game on the horizon, I presume they mean vampire, the don't nod vampire thing. Mm-hmm. Can the CNC crew think of any mythological creatures or from folklore that they want to see a game focused around? I, I think we all have, sort of racked our brains for a moment, and I couldn't think of any interesting creatures. Tom Francis just has those. Just thought of it. <laughs> I was like, when this we looked at this question earlier, and I was thinking, like, I feel like recently I was talking or reading about uh, some uh, traditional folklore thing that I thought was really fun and I hadn't heard of before. I've just remembered what it was. Um, it was the like. 15 rowdy boys of Christmas. <laughs> oh, is that the Icelandic Christmas? Yeah. Story? Um, those are really good. Uh, and they were just like, they each have a, a food, food stuff that they love to steal. And th- there's like a quiz you can take that will determine which of these 15 rowdy boys you are. And I was the bread stealing one. I was like the something <laughs> cub <boy>. hog sniffer <laughs> or something. And he, he likes to sniff things to see if they're bread or not. And then if they're bread, he steals them. <laughs> I don't know what game I'd make of that. <laughs> it's it's yes. clearly a co-op game. <laughs> yeah. 15 people. You have to find 15 friends. 15 rowdy boys and girls. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I think... Um, I'd be into more games based on the kind of weirder, more esoteric folklore. Because I mean, mm. actually, games have had quite a rich line in the last couple of years. I think... Um, I think Folklore has influenced sort of indie game aesthetic quite yeah. pronounced in a quite pronounced way. Partly because it's basically partly because traditional mythology, like Greco-Roman mythology, w- it has been aggressively mined out by both yeah. pop culture and AAA mm-hmm. games more generally. So the kind of creative space to move in was like slightly m- less well-known folklore. So that's why you got a lot of indie games that got spooky deer in them. Yeah, <laughs> Year Walk. It's a good one. Yeah. Um, uh, I think that's what it's called. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's like, you're right. And I mean, the Banner Saga, to an extent, isn't, is, they've taken like Norse stuff, sort of, but they've yeah. actually turned it into their own thing and, and extrapolated from that. Mm. I really like it when people sort of create their own mythologies and maybe like, um, Send a Sacrifice, um, the Hellblade, uh, again. Phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Like, really cool, uh, beautiful interpretations of, sort of Norse but kind of interpreted mm. uh, in different ways I made this joke in the break when we were talking about this but you could make Baba Yaga is you <laughs> <laughs> where you are could a woman in a chicken shed <laughs> um, and you can rearrange words to make that not the case <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want this <laughs> sort this out right now um Let's see. Yeah, no. Um, I I would love um I, I would love more interesting takes on vampires, which uh, literature is fucking full of. Like, you know, mm. you don't have to just go for Anne Rice stuff. But, um, so I was saying the back about uh, what what we do in the shadows, which is yeah. uh, a really funny film, uh, tongue in cheek, uh, film about vampires living in the modern world and trying to survive and get by. Uh, and that would be a con- uh, just that'd be a funny adventure game, wouldn't it? I didn't realize Ryan Johnson was in that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> is he? Yeah, he's the 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 human who they have to dinner, right? Yeah, <laughs> really. So, yeah, that's oh man, it's a it's a really good film. That is a really good film. That's the that's the the twenty seventeen like fun <laughs> sci fi movie like point ground zero then because you got Michael Wittiti and <laughs> yeah. Ryan Johnson in the mm. same film, yeah, in the same scene, huh, huh. 
Yeah. Um, I think I, I just had an idea, which would be, uh, cause I, I miss asymmetrical monster modes, multiplayer games. <laughs> I would like, so I want several versions of this game that I've just invented in my mind. <laughs> Basically, I want what I would call Transylvanian plunk bag. <laughs> <laughs> I want a game where a hundred players, uh, parachute into a thick black forest type spooky environment maybe it could be a very so yeah maybe you could have different biomes mm. one could be like a european sort of central european forest one of them could be a a jungle or american urban wasteland that kind of thing all of the players are in combat with each other so all of the players are running around to scrab scrambling for gear and and guns and stuff to fight each other one player is a monster suited to that environment so like a jersey devil or a Sasquatch, or Dracula, or something, depending on the particular environment. And it's it's still last person standing, but whoever, the last human player standing has to have a plan to deal with Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a sort of open system of whether or not you all gang up and kill Dracula and then settle the rest among yourselves, because you don't want it to be... A one-on-one <laughs> final showdown with Dracula. No, that's Not that's really. that's the folklore game I would like. Uh, this isn't the same, but it's as close as games are going to get at the moment. Hunt Showdown, which is a co-op uh, multiplayer game from Crytek, where I think there are multiple co-op teams in the same environment, and they're tracking down um, creatures in this kind of open-world swampland and uh, hunting down clues. Mm. And as soon as they find the clue, they'll fight some sort of hideous boss. And the one they've shown off is a giant spider. And it's the most horrific rendition of a giant spider I've <laughs> ever seen in a video game. The way it scuttles, the way it goes out in and out of holes and just kind of runs away from you all the time, then attacks you from behind is absolutely horrendous. <laughs> Someone who is not fond of spiders, uh, it's awful, uh, in, but in a brilliantly designed sort of way. Uh, it looks incredible. Obviously, quite like a for the cry engine which you don't see used terribly often these days but i think the idea of something new and inventive that actually shows off the best of their engine is, is the best thing that crytek probably mm. do to revive revive trust in that um, but it, it genuinely looks like a, a good scary uh sort of plunk bag ish type experience mm. uh, uh that is also i should have should have mentioned it in a in the games i was excited about this year <laughs> good mm. good that's all the questions we've got time for this evening. If you'd like to send us a question for a future episode, you can email us at questions at com. You can also tweet us at Crate and Crowbar. And yes, Tom, you may have more wine. I will. <laughs> I will. If you'd like more wine, you can just pick up that bottle over there and pour it. There you go. Glug, 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 glug. Lovely. Hmm. <laughs> wine. Thank you so much. If you'd like to uh, support the Great and Crowbar and supporting this main podcast also has the uh, side effect of supporting things like uh, Little Grey Cells which will be returning soon pips away this week in Atlanta for the Smite World Championships which is why uh, Little Grey Cells is going to be kind of a week after the rest of the stuff we're doing if you'd like to support Bloodborne Miniatures Monthly um, other spin-offs and so on then you can do so by checking out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Crate and Crowbar you can find us on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Crate and Crowbar. 
You can also follow us as individuals. I'm on Twitter at C Thurston. Tom Senior is at PCT Ludo. That's Ludo. Tom Francis is at Pentadact. P E N T A D A C T. Fabulous. That was good. Well done. Restart the year.